Hello and welcome to the BG Podcast, episode 205. Today we're wrapping up the week of July 10th. Joining me is Bingham Group CEO AJ and my fellow associate Wendy Rodriguez. To kick it off, um, big news coming out of the Capitol. They finally reached a deal um, regarding property taxes. And so, um, you know, we had the biggest budget surplus uh, we've had, I think, historically. It was about almost $32 billion. And so um, an $18 billion deal was was reached and Texans are about to get the biggest property tax cut in state history. And if you've been following the news, you might have seen um, the big three, as we call them, the um, governor and um, speaker of the House and lieutenant governor. Um, The legislative session, the regular session ended in May, um, at the very end of May, but um, it took them about almost two extra months to um, finally reach a deal. And so this is going to be good for homeowners. I know property taxes have been something that, um, you know, I at least hear my parents constantly complaining about. And so this will be good for them. And we're still in that special session um, as they're dealing with other things related to school safety and a million other things. But um, as the special session continues, we've also got other things related to, you know, Ken Paxton, the impeachment of, of Ken Paxton, as well as um, other things. But with this property tax cut, um, the legislation will still need a constitutional election this November. So we've still got to vote on it this November. Um, and Governor Abbott does intend to sign this bill. So we will be expecting that constitutional um, amendment election this November. So we'll see what happens with that. And then in other news related to um, the city of Austin, um, there's been a lot of news this week related to DPS and the APD partnership. Um, recently, um, yesterday actually breaking news, DPS partnership was suspended after a trooper pulled a gun on a 10 year old. And um, initially when the partnership was ended, um, you know, Mayor Watson and the interim city manager um, didn't say that it was because of um, the incident with the 10 year old. But um, as the news continued to break, you know, watching the five o'clock news on KXAN, we did see him explicitly mention that. Um, And, you know, this DPS partnership has been scrutinized by um, a lot of community members. Um, You know, we've seen the Austin Justice Coalition as well as um, commissions such as the Public Safety Commission call for either guardrails or just to end the commission. Um, So yeah, what are y'all's thoughts on this? I'll let Wendy go first. Yeah, I mean, it even from the start of the partnership, since it was announced, there was a lot of community, um, I want to say backlash, but just in opposition to it, because like organizations like Grassroots Leadership and AJC, Austin Justice Coalition, have mentioned in their uh, public uh, communications during council meetings and commission meetings with public safety, uh, they kind of mentioned how it's been undemo- undemocratic, uh, the whole process uh, has been un- un- it's not democratic uh, and uh, just not really didn't really include community input for the partnership to start. And so uh, it really is kind of you can see how um, concerns from the public uh, made its way to like the city uh, and especially with the recommendation that went out to council. But even before that, just with just DPS pulling that unfortunate uh, encounter with the parent and the, the child, uh, it just really, I think it 
it just made the like city manager and like just kind of like pull the like just stop the, mm -hmm. uh, the whole thing. The um, you know, I think it it was a there were definitely the criticisms of how fast it happened, but I think and we talked about this from prior shows episodes, just the it's a balance of the immediacy of the, the you know the factual lack of oper of uh, police officers we have on the ground or on the on the streets patrolling in Austin, and there's no really there's no ready way to fill that gap. Now, I mean, obviously the devil's in the details of of, of these arrangements, um, but yeah, I, th I think there was definitely early criticism of the speed of it happened. This wasn't a council initiative. This was um, you know initiative uh, with mayor's office and city manager's office, and um, you know I think they. It it kind of and I would say there was a there was a pause a few months a month ago because they had moved all the DPS officers or troopers down to the border as part of uh, Governor Abbott's uh, border initiatives and so this is yeah just restarted recently and you know I think uh, I also read that yesterday the DPS DPS still you know, patrols in Austin right so they they had a statement in the Texas Tribune saying that that wouldn't stop but it never would have stopped anyway but. That's I think that may be more of a saving face thing. I mean, they you know we live, few of us on the, on the team live downtown near the Capitol, so they're already you know DPS patrols are already present anyway. I know around West Campus as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't think anything. I, mean, I think it's more maybe the. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I guess there's, there's less of a coordination, or no coordination now between APD and DPS. Um, mm -hmm. but their what their enforcement abilities are is not going to stop. Yeah. Well, interesting stuff. Yeah, I think it's, you know, we have, it's uh, it been kind of a, I, don't know, I would say the, a quiet summer, but just, um, you know, just with a budget on the horizon, there really hasn't been anything kind of going on, you know, post, you know, I think the last change we had was with selection of uh, Bob Kahn for Austin Energy GM. But yeah, it otherwise been pretty quiet this summer. Yeah. So we'll see. It's still, yeah, it's still, we're still early in the middle of it. How about you, Hannah? I think, yeah, this partnership was started due to, um, you know, understaffing at the police department. And that's something that APD is still struggling with, despite um, the help from DPS. You know, one of the things that broke the news broke Monday um, was that they're still struggling with 329 operational vacancies. And because of that, they're having to do a lot of overtime. Um, this has resulted in 28 million spent on overtime during the current fiscal year, exceeding budget project projections. And so we know that with um, negotiations with the police contract, as well as, you know, recruitment, things are things are tough regarding keeping and retaining um, police. So as this continues to play out, um, I'm definitely curious to see, you know, um, how APD will do um, without the assistance of DPS. For sure. Well, in other city news, even related to employee employment, uh, the Environmental Commission and the Joint Sustainability Committee in Austin have approved resolutions urging that council reconsider the proposed policy that would require most employees to work at the office three days a week. So if you remember a few, uh, like a month or month and a half ago, uh, when um, the uh, city, ma city manager made the, the, the move to have executives come every single day to the office and then employees three days a week. Uh, there was a, um, like the, the union held a rally outside the, the, the city, outside of city hall 
um, voicing their concerns and their um, opposition to the 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 notification uh, and as the resolution highlights uh, the city's vision for net zero emission uh, is a priority uh, it emphasized the importance of reducing car trips uh, and a lot of employees uh, expressed concern that like, having to come to the office would require them to have to use transportation that would pretty much like add to the um the like emissions here in the city so yeah what are y'all what are y'all's thoughts I know I watched the um, Urban Transportation Commission on Monday, and they also had a resolution related to this. And again, one of the things that they were talking about was um, if we have more people going into the office more often, we're going to have more cars on the road. And that's um, you know, a higher percentage that people are going to get in car accidents, as well as, um, you know, uh, it's also just bad for the environment. You know, cars are having pollution. Pollution. Um, I remember seeing a big news article during COVID when everybody had um, been at home for, I think, about like four months at this point, but the ozone layer had started like healing itself. And so it's just one of those things where it's it's very clearly um, benefit. There's a lot more benefits, I think, um, for, you know, the environment and a lot of things. And there's obviously a lot more benefits for being in the office, too. You know, there's pros and cons of each thing. Um but um, a lot of these commissions are saying like it's in line with, you know, our, um, you know, net zero emissions and our vision zero to get people off the road. So um, let's let's do, you know, some telework where it's at least, um, you know, they're, they're trying to come to a, I think, um, an agreement that kind of, you know, fits the interim city manager's um, wishes as well as the um, employees wishes. Yeah, I think it's I mean, it's a delicate balance, right? So again, the uh, interim city manager Garza's orders for return to work uh, most immediately applied to city executives, right? So they're back in the office five days a week if they weren't already before. And with everyone else, it was it was by October to go to three days. You know, so it'd be a hybrid, three days in the office, three days off or two days off. Um, you know, and again, like it's not, we're not city employees, city employees. I think it really depends on it's a nuanced thing. The city of Austin is one of the biggest employers. The city of Austin is one of the biggest employers in the city. There are multiple departments and very, you know, there's maybe some jobs that aren't, they don't necessitate being in the office, but there are some that probably do. I think the ones that come to mind are more on the permitting side. And just it, when you're going to get to people, when you have someone in the office next to you, I think things move a little faster for certain roles. Right. So I think again, it'll be nuanced really depending on how this team manager wants to do it. If it's a full blanket, policy or if it's more targeted and then if it's targeted or not targeted if it's yeah if it's targeted for certain groups you know how do you you know it's how that's balanced off that's i think we'll you know october is on the horizon so we'll know about that as it as it occurs but um probably the cleanest policy would probably be this enact a blanket three-day you know hybrid work policy versus targeted but i think it'll come down to i think there are certain apartments where ill necessitate having people in more than that but we shall see yeah and, and i think another thing too is they built these really nice buildings um you know right before 2020 and, and, and in 2020 and so we have a lot of empty very beautiful buildings across the city um i know we, we toured austin energy not tour we went to austin energy's building mm, and it was really, yeah. really pretty but um um there was, I think, maybe not that many people in there just because they're still continuing to to filter in there. But um, yeah. Yeah, a lot it's of a people. Go ahead. 
just a lot of these beautiful buildings that I know I would enjoy going into. Well, yeah, you know, I think it's particularly right. Austin Energy, they completed their building, their new headquarters uh, during the pandemic. And also Development Services Department has a consolidated facility in the Miller, or Miller, I'm sorry, the Highland Development, uh, brand new buildings, right? And so again, those are both, both, I think by and large, two departments, particularly, right, where having folks in office, you think of customers, I mean, a customer service can happen anywhere, but being for folks, if you need to go to DSD, the development services, or go to Austin Energy in person, you know, I think that those two departments particularly have a lot more frontline personal engagement than some others. But, um, but yeah, the buildings are, both the buildings are very lovely. So I, I know from, you know, those were, those were funded by us as taxpayers as well. And they're not going to be yeah. used for anything. They're, they're not going to be readily used for, yeah. I think this sideline of that, but there's discussions on, you know, not just NOS, some other parts of the country on taking older, older office buildings and converting them into um, yeah, housing. And it's just, I don't think just from what I've read about it, the you know, a, a commercial building in terms of the have you know havoc everything else air water it's a different use than when you want for, for resident for residents so we'll see on that then, though and overall but definitely an issue that hey, it's kind of i'm curious to see if, it, if it's able they're able to negotiate behind, just get it done the union asked me with the city or if it if it blows up and how it does so yeah yeah we'll we'll continue to be watching this news i know there's there's a lot of resolutions related to this being pushed through so um, we shall see. Mm-hmm. But um, in other news related to the land development code, um, again, more groups are finally um, calling for or, or calling for more quick changes to the land development code. You know, once again, we constantly hear that Austin is in an affordable housing crisis. And one of the ways that the city council is kind of, you know, attacking this head on is kind of piecemealing the land development code and trying to make amendments to, um, you know, increase density and allow for uh, more affordable housing and just more units to be built in general. And so this um, past week, we've seen four Austin-based organizations, including the Austin Housing Coalition and Austin Justice Coalition, calling on city officials to expedite the lifting of restrictions on residential development. And so, you know, we've already seen, you know, city council and um, commission members call for the um, more speedy amendments to be made. And so these org- these organizations are, you know, recommending that the city forego traditional community engagement. Once again, we saw planning commission also kind of say this. Um, and this is just to speed up the um, implementation of those proposed amendments. You know, we've got parking reform, reducing compatibility and eliminating occupancy limits. Those are going to potentially increase the amount of units you can build on a lot, as well as um, I just saw uh, Councilmember Poole. This was kind of a a crazy thing that came up. She's got, um, I believe it's the ADU um, resolution that she's got, which is just going to allow more infill and more more um, density on you know single family lots and lots zoned for higher density. And so we've got a lot coming through, just allowing you to build a lot and so um hopefully the city um decides to maybe say like okay you know this this amendment is is not too controversial it was you know unanimously decided so let's go ahead and just implement this without the same level of community engagement but obviously um the community should be engaged i think just to uh, make sure that we don't do anything as a city that's um against i think the wishes of a lot of people so we'll see how this goes i know city of austin is very very heavy in community engagement um, so we shall see. What do y'all think? Well, I think it's 
I'm more curious how just by based on the on the on the level on the number and the breadth of resolutions that come out of this current council around land use reform, you know, land use, um, or land use, land use reform. When you know what's it all building towards? I mean, I think the ultimate solution is going to be having a you know a comprehensive land use review or land use reform, right? And so, I think it's these are all to me just it's all building towards that, right? Um, I think it's. I don't think I mean I, my prediction would be sometime either Q Q one or Q two of twenty four we see that drive. I think I mean obviously because going into twenty going into um I'm sorry we're at two thousand twenty four that's election cycle so the year after that going into Q one or Q two of twenty twenty five once I think we have it really depends on the council makeup that time but I view like based on the current council members who will be in office and the ones that I've been putting out some significant resolutions for amendment of land development code are all are all members who will you know will, will be here going will be in the middle of their terms going 25 so that they're, that they're doing this now in the first six months of their terms their first their first ever council uh, being the dais i think it bodes it bodes, i don't say positive but it's um i think a sure sign of what's to come when there are more senior roles in the on the dais yeah definitely yeah um, yeah, I'm definitely all for more affordable <laughs> housing in Austin, especially as I mean, most of, like all of us are Austinites or grew up here in Austin. We've seen the, the just how expensive um, housing has gotten. And um, yeah, it's just really cool that there's a lot of pressure and a lot more urgency to get this going. Yeah, we shall see. I know council comes back on the 18th with a work session and they'll be doing the budget, but um. You know, we'll see what um, happens with the LDC concurrently with that. And additionally, um, after years of staffing woes, um, Austin Parks Foundation finally hired enough lifeguards to staff all 32 pools and 11 splash pads. So they're now currently all open. Um, and I know with the heat, that's very much so needed. Um, I think we've been, what, like over 100 for the past two weeks. And if not over a hundred, it feels like it's over a hundred. Mm -hmm. um, so very good to see that. Um, the, um, to, you know, in order to hire all the lifeguards to do this, the city streamlined the lifeguard application process and increased the minimum wage to $20 an hour. Um, and they also conducted an outreach campaign. I don't know if all of y'all um, saw the signs everywhere. Um, I know I saw lots of um, little ads when I was watching city meetings. And so it seems they did a great job. Um, I know I have a friend who's lifeguarding right now too. And so um, really great stuff. You know, I'm excited. I've been going to Barton Springs um, and hopefully I'll be able to go to Deep Eddy soon. I know that one hasn't been open um, in the past couple of years, but but I'm excited. So Yeah, I was going to ask you, what were y'all's favorite uh, 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 you know, neighborhood pools growing up or, or now? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I mean, growing up, I didn't really know. <laughs> I didn't really, my parents didn't really explore Austin as much, but I remember I have core memories of going to the Montopolis recreation pool with my cousins and uh, just, yeah, the kind of like I'm along, even though that's not a pool, but uh, yeah. So yeah, mainly Montopolis and just having to learn how to swim, YMCA, yeah. How about y'all? Yeah. Ours were um Ditmar, some of South Austin guys. So Ditmar Pool, the recreation center there, and then um Garrison Park or Bike Rocket. Rocket High. So those two I remember doing um little bike biking adventures with my buddies, just 
cut out, you know, and like, right, you know, there's no cell phone. So let's get our bikes and have like five bucks and like it's for snacks and come back. The sun's down. But yeah, just I, was, I miss those days. I'm no, it's great news. All the all the pools were open. I think you know they were had, um, particularly in East Austin, a lot of those pools were being shut or just weren't in operation in the last few years. Be, you know, pro, outside of COVID, just because of staffing. So very good to see that. Just um, have that equity across the city. Yeah, and um, my my grandma, she's she's about sixty five, I believe. She was telling me that she she learned how to swim at Deep Eddy. Um, when she was young, um, her her dad would take her there. And so that was really cool. Um, I'm excited to go to that pool soon too. That's awesome. Yeah, I really commend uh, this, the Parks and Recreation Department for their like effective and successful campaign. I definitely also, like you, Anna, saw a lot of the ads and as writing like a bus writer, I got to see them on the bus and then also banners up on the street. They were everywhere and it worked out. Um, but yeah, and uh, speaking of, also just uh, just employment as well. And uh, our last item for news to cover is that Austin ISD accidentally made a payroll processing error that resulted in teachers receiving a $2,000 stipend payment on their last paycheck. So just imagine like you wake up, we get our, you get our paycheck and you, you see 2,000 more than what you're used to. Like that would feel amazing. I feel so Be nice. bad because of, yeah, yeah. And for teachers, for the surprise, it wasn't for them. Uh, it was only for newly hired teachers. So ASD had to send an email to those teachers uh, that the, this 1st of July acknowledging the error and has pretty much outlined the plan to rectify the situation, which includes the teachers having to repay the overpayment in either four monthly payments of 500 or just the whole 2000. So that's how, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you go ahead, Hannah. I mean, this was pretty, I thought it was pretty bad. You know, our teachers are already, I think it's it's pretty well known that they they should be paid a lot more um, for what they have to deal with and what they do for, for our students. Um, and so to see this, it, I think it's kind of, you know, um, I think frustrating when, when they're like, I think as a teacher, you already know, like I do deserve this funding. And so um, I'm glad that they've rectified the situation and they've, uh, you know, a lot of teachers see either repay that in four monthly payments or just the lump sum. Um, but still, this was this. Um, I think this would have rubbed me the wrong way if I had been a teacher. Yeah, just you know, coming from the um, from management, right? I mean, again, like I, I wouldn't have been. I mean, both the person who or persons who someone someone pressed the button, these went out, right? Like some way or form, like I know what their payment system, systems are obviously a lot more people, but some way or form, it went out and. You know, so I, I don't think one that was a like no one just does that. It was like a malicious thing. It was a you know administrative accident snafu. I think they rectified it pretty. You know, they got on top of it as fast as they could. Obviously, embarrassing for the district. I mean, and then yeah, from the, from the you know I've from the employer side, employee side rather. I mean, definitely not. You know, you think it's a bonus and it's not. And um, but I think it's that. Yeah, you know, their plan for how the paybacks, I mean, it's as fair as it could be. That end, the district doesn't have any money. <laughs> so there's that too. Like, even they, they don't, they, I think they want, I'd love to give them raises, but they don't have the money to give them raises. So there's, you know, that's been reported on, uh, for time, um, at least for time being. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a good situation. Definitely doesn't play good for morale. And I think it's, that's something, 
you know, we're in the middle of a superintendent search and I'm sure anyway, it's not, it's not a good, I think it's just, it's, it's so it's not good for the district or for teachers. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. But yeah, that is the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much for Wait, watching. I want to add real quick something, Hannah, too. So just as an FYI, we talked about last week, the city budget. The proposed budget from Inter- interim team manager Garza will be released tomorrow, July or today rather, July fourteenth. So we don't know when they'll be released. If it's in line with how city management manager has been releasing uh, just other city updates, they'll come in the afternoon, late afternoon or early evening, around five or six. We'll be monitoring throughout the day, regardless, and be reviewing that over the weekend to have a special ep- or have an episode to discuss just the budget in the coming week. And so I know council will be meeting uh, for work session on Tuesday, next Tuesday to start discussing that publicly. We'll be watching that as well, but I'm um, probably, you know, this is the city manager guards first uh, budget. He'll at least be doing two and he'll be doing one for next year rather. So um, it's, it's, you know, as we, as we talked about my show, my interview with uh, Daniela Silva with equity action, Big stuff coming from this. It'll, it does touch every one of our lives. So it's a uh, we'll love show notes about that or notes about that with our our episode in the budget next week. Yeah, that budget's coming up uh, very quickly. So we'll be monitoring that. And yeah, so now it's the end of today's podcast. Uh, thank you so much for watching. We'll be back next week with another week in review. Have a great weekend. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to the BG Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share with your colleagues. The BG Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. The BG Podcast is a product of the Bingham Group LLC, an Austin-based lobbying firm serving businesses, nonprofits, and trade associations at the municipal and state level. You can learn more about the Bingham Group at www.binghamgp.com. That's B-I-N-G-H-A-M gp.com and for the latest firm news and content updates follow us on linkedin we'll have a link in the show notes thank you